Ashley Robinson, and I am delighted to have um, an, a conversation today with uh, newly elected state representative, uh, Dr. Michelle Al, who formerly served in the state Senate. And um, we're going to talk today, um, and Dr. Al is amongst um, a number of other folks that we are going to chat with in this series on the diversity in the legislature. Um, we have seen the most diverse class uh, in Georgia state legislature, um, and which is our Georgia General Assembly that has 236 seats in both the House and the Senate. Um, to talk about, you know, why this diversity matters. Um, it's made a little bit of news. It's made a little bit of traction around it. But I think it's more than just the sexy topic that we talk about with diversity. So, Dr. Al, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I'll uh, move into um, some questions. So glad sure, to have so you here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So I'm Dr. Michelle Al. Um, I'm a practicing physician here in Metro Atlanta, and I currently serve as a member of the Georgia House of Representatives, representing uh, District 50, which encompasses Johns Creek and a little sliver of Alpharetta. As you noted uh, previously in uh, the last session, I served in the Georgia State Senate, and I'm really pleased to uh, continue to be here and continue to do the work that we started uh, last term. That's great. That's great. So I'm really excited to uh, to dig into these uh, questions around diversity in the legislature. Um, for those of you that don't know a little bit of my background, I served as, uh, as staff for former House Minority Leader Stacey Abrams. And um, I think that was my first introduction to uh, diversity uh, within the legislature, but that was more diversity on the staff side. Um, we would have um, some of our legislators um, on both sides of the aisle uh, laugh uh, quite a bit about um, how diverse Leader Abrams staff was. And we were like the united colors of Benetton. Not to say that uh, the caucus at the time wasn't diverse, but certainly um you know, this uh, time around, we see that there were um, a, a number of folks that were um, that were sworn in this legislative for this legislative session um, that are uh, that are diverse. And um, um, I, I want to maybe talk a little bit about like why do you think that is the case? I mean, obviously, we know um, for the census, our state demographics have changed and are changing and continuing to rapidly change. Um, and so I think it's good to see that there is a, a reflection of that in the legislature. But do you think that that's why, um, because our, our electorate is changing in this way or, or are Georgians just starting to really understand the value of diversity or, or is it, could it be a, a combination of the two? I love that you're talking about diversity because I do think we need to have these conversations and understand why this is such an important issue for so many people. You know, I think that sometimes because we are talking about diversity so much more that people tend to view it almost sometimes in a, in a reflexive or a shallow way, like diversity um, is, is the goal in and of itself, right? But I think that what we need to realize about why diversity is important and why we keep harping on it is that diversity brings a value to the body right? It's not about a matter of tokenism or a matter of like, oh, we have one of each kind of person, right? Like, because I think sometimes people view it that way and it really oversimplifies the conversation. What diversity brings to a state legislature, especially given that it is a body that is supposed to be representative of the electorate, is that it brings a variety of perspectives into that body that is making laws for the entire state, right? And a lot of times, as we realize as members of subsections of the community, members of what are considered you know, minority sections of the community, what this allows us to do is air out and um, give, give oxygen to 
problems that might not be seen by other parts of the community. It allows us to give perspectives that might not be heard in, in rooms of power, right? And this really allows us to craft the kind of legislation that we're able to put forth that represents everybody, right? Not just the people who happen to have been elected in this room. So I do think that some of this evolving, you know, increasing diversity in the legislature is because of Georgia changing rapidly, right? We saw mm -hmm. in the 2020 census that Georgia is almost certainly by now a majority minority state, right? And this has changed quite a lot since the, uh, the last time we had our census. And what it shows that the legislature is also similarly diversifying, not not quite as fast, right? But it's it's getting there. Is not only the um, the fact that the legislature is slowly catching up to where the population is, but also the fact that candidates who haven't always seen people who look like them or from communities where they grew up representing in the legislature is opening doors for more people to think, you know, maybe maybe I could do this too, right? They, they often say, you know, there's a there's a saying like you can't be what you can't see. And that is right. a little bit of a part of it, right? That you you realize that these doors are also open for you. But we also have to give credit to people who came first because someone had to be the first. Someone had to be the person who was someone that they they hadn't seen and decided that they were going to be that first person. So mm. it's it's really on the shoulders of giants that we build um this historically diverse legislature. And I'm really excited to see what we're going to do this year. I am too, for sure. So Georgia, for those of you um, who are tuning in that don't know, Georgia swore in 85 lawmakers um, at the start of legislative session um, who were Hispanic or Latinx, um, Black, uh, Asian, or of uh, Arab descent. Um, and it really brought our lawmakers to um, that diversity of lawmakers to now 36% of our legislature um, I'm having that um, that amount of uh, diversity, which is so um, it's just very exciting. And so um, we talk about like caucuses and, and for those of you that don't really know, like this is a collection or a body of um, of lawmakers that have come together to to really kind of dig in a little bit deeper on some of these issues. And so for the first time, we now have a Hispanic caucus. And has the AAPI caucus been developed at this point, Dr. Al? Yes, we have our formal AAPI caucus now. Uh, numbering at 11 members, which is certainly the right. most that Georgia has ever had. But even more notably, it's the largest AAPI caucus in the nation with the exclusion of, of Hawaii. So that's really something to make people Celebrate. sit up and notice, right? It's it's really quite a lot. And it's, it's really exciting because uh, AAPIs are the fastest growing population in Georgia to see that that is being reflected in, in the folks that we are electing. Now, the important thing about caucuses, right, is that obviously caucuses... Well, not to say obviously, I'll just say caucuses are there to represent um, groups that have shared interests and be able to come together and in our numbers, be able to promote and push forth and support issues that we care about. But I think the most important goal of a caucus like the AAPI caucus, like the Hispanic caucus, like the Legislative Black Caucus, is to really try to build cross-cultural coalitions, right? We talked about Georgia being a majority minority state, and that's a very powerful thing to think about, you know, over time, how much Georgia has changed. But our power lies in our ability to work together. So I really am trying to, as the first chair of the AAPI caucus, focus on the fact that it is not just about representing Asian American Georgians in the communities um, that we represent, but also to help promote the issues that the Black caucus also care about deeply and the Hispanic caucus will care about deeply because we have a lot of shared interests and all of our interests and all of our work is going to go much further 
if we're able to work together, right? And to not be siloed apart or fractured because that's often how minority power tends to get diluted, right? Is to be fractured apart from each other. Uh, I really wanna focus on working together and building these bigger coalitions to get more work done. I love that. I love hearing that. And and specifically when you mention um, not only the the newly formed Hispanic caucus, but also the the legislative Black caucus that has been um, that has been in the legislature for some time. Um, there are other folks that are not part um, formally a part of uh, of the Black caucus that are members. And so I, I will be um, interested to see, and, and I'm sure that this will be the case, right? How you all will become members of each other's caucus to really show that that amount of solidarity. And specifically for you as you're moving into to, um, we just finished the 11th day. So for those of you that are tuning in and when this is aired, you'll know when we, if you're following the legislature, we're in the 11th day of the legislative session. Um, are there issues or policies that you think are now more um, deliberate or, or specific to our communities of color uh, now that we have more of a diverse legislature? I, I do think there is, you know, as the legislative AAPI caucus, we did have a meeting, our first meeting to sort of define some of our legislative priorities, because, you know, the most important part of a caucus is, is doing the work and sort of identifying where we can apply our power in a way that that most um, helps our communities. And I do think there's a lot of overlap between what we're interested in and what some of the other minority caucuses are interested in. One of the things that we talked about in specific um, is more support for some of our immigrant communities. You know, so this is something that we we care deeply about. So increasing access to educational opportunities for some of our immigrant communities, increasing language access is something that we've talked about a lot internally as a caucus and with many of our other um, you know friends and colleagues um, in all in in all different caucuses. Right, that this is part of how we grow our power and part of how we get more of the electorate to become increasingly engaged turn out and vote and really just be a, a part of the government, right? Because we understand that government and legislatures work best when our voters and our public and Georgia residents are, are really clued in on what we're doing and are part of the process. So that's that's something that we've talked about a lot. That's great. What is it that you all, like, how, how will you approach those types of conversations with folks that are either on the other side of the aisle or trying to get bipartisan support for issues that will affect the greater good of the community? So in response to that, I'm going to say one obvious thing and one maybe not so obvious thing. Uh-huh. So one obvious thing, I think, for people who watch Georgia politics and are just vaguely aware even of how state politics works, Georgia has a Republican trifecta, right? And what that means is that Republicans have the majority in the House and in the state Senate and in the governor's mansion, right? So that that is just the reality of what we're working with, right? So that's uh, that that's part of the process is realizing that uh, in terms of the math, the Republicans do tend to have the majority and are are able to, uh, with their numbers, push through a lot of of what they want to get passed. The not obvious thing that I'll point out because people do tend to um, think of politics as highly polarized, especially these days, and very partisan, and like you guys just must argue all the time, and that's kind of what people see on TV and in the U.S. Congress, all these types of things. What actually happens in the state legislature is, by and large, for the majority of the bills that we discuss and pass, most of these bills are passed either unanimously or pretty close to unanimously, right? A lot of these sort of problems that we deal with are largely viewed as not partisan issues. They're solving, you know, um, practical problems, 
uh, issues with, uh, you know, just like daily living that we're trying to tune up in the code. So a lot of these things actually we we don't disagree on, right? And we're able to view many issues as nonpartisan. Of course, there's a subset of issues on which the two different parties do fundamentally disagree, and that's that's a healthy way for a government to be. And we are not going to get to an agreement on all those things, right? Um, I think we can probably even just think off the top of our head what some of those issues are. Sure. What, what I try to do as someone who does try to build consensus and is more focused on problem solving and less enchanted with the idea of partisan politics is to realize that our goals are generally the same, regardless of if we're Democrat or Republican, but sometimes our strategies of how to get there are quite different, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll give, for example, like the issue of, of healthcare, right? Which is something that I care deeply about as a physician and I have a public health degree. So a lot of my, um, policy tends to be healthcare oriented, is that I think people generally agree that it's good when people have access to healthcare, but people do disagree uh, on the details or in the method of how we build out uh, that kind of access, right? So that's that's where the disagreement is. I, I try to um, start with the points where we agree and try to build, build the practical points together to get as close to yes as possible and do as much good as is possible within the constraints of the system we're working in, right? Knowing that I'm not going to get every single bit that I want, right? That we are going to have to concede some things in the minority party. But at the end of the day, you want to say that you were able to do something and that you got as close to a good result as you possibly could within the reality that you live in, um, even if you didn't get it all, right? And that's that's the reality of practicing medicine also, right? Like I can't I can't change the fact that my patient has a very serious disease. I can't change the fact that they had this or that happen to them, but within those constraints I can optimize the result. And that's how I tend to approach the legislature too. It it does tend to cut down on the frustration a little bit because you realize from the outset that you are going to be you know building mm -hmm. a puzzle that's not going to necessarily look exactly like the perfect picture you envisioned. But but at the end of the day that you got something done is the most important thing. I've got a couple minutes left. And so I'm going to ask you a fun question. And I'm also going to ask um, you a question around um, kind of what are your um, your policies or your legislative priorities? Um, what are you looking forward to and what can our viewers um, look forward to seeing from you this legislative session? So I have uh, quite a few bills. Some of them have been dropped already and some of them I'm still tuning up, but a lot of them, as I noted, do have to do with healthcare policy. Some of my top priority bills are public health bills, right? So I have a slate of gun safety bills that I care deeply about. My top priority bill actually addresses the number one cause of death in children and teenagers. And that causes gun violence, right? So this is a very straightforward bill. It, it's uh, very similar to other public health and child protection bills that we have, which basically requires that any firearms that can be accessed by a child, be it in your home or in your car or anywhere, is secured safely, right? And I think that's that's a very basic common sense uh, type of uh, approach to gun safety. I think many responsible gun owners already take this approach. So this is just you know analogous to you know if you're driving with. Uh, your child in a car who's two years old, that they should be secured in a car seat, right? Like it's that that type of approach to keep children safer because we really can't turn away from the statistic that it's the number one cause of death in kids and teens. We are we are responsible and we are, you know, exhorted to act based on this data. Uh, some other bills that I am dealing with have to do with um, other issues related to public health, including raising the state tobacco tax, right? Georgia has one of the lowest tobacco taxes in the nation, 
I'll just say that the national tobacco tax for a pack of cigarettes is $1.91. Georgia's state tobacco tax is 37 cents per pack. So that's wow. as as we yeah. all can do, since we all can count, very low, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the benefit of raising the state tobacco tax, which hasn't been done for decades, is twofold. The first is that it would generate some revenue, which could be reinvested into our public health system, which is underfunded for decades, right? And would enable us to do a lot of the good work that we're trying to do in terms of covering patients and taking care of patients, particularly in our rural areas that tend to be under-resourced. The second benefit is that, as we've seen in other states, that raising the state tobacco tax actually disincentivizes harmful health behaviors like smoking, right? So you have a decrease in societal health costs decrease in uh, societal health burden in terms of chronic disease. Everyone always thinks of lung cancer as like the classic um, smoker's disease, but smoking affects every single organ system in the body. And there's not a single type of doctor across any specialty that will not tell you that smoking is, is just a terrible thing to deal with for all our patients in every single way possible. It particularly has impact for younger smokers because younger smokers are more sensitive to the price of cigarettes that they have to buy. So it, it more incentivizes younger smokers to quit. And we have to think about the decades of benefit this gets them, right? If you are able to quit smoking when you're 25 years old, um, that's that's like five decades worth, five, six, seven decades worth of improved health benefits, health costs that we're able to, to do for these patients. And that has an incredibly potent effect that we are trying to achieve. So that's that's just two sets of bills yeah. that I'm working on. Those are my priority bills. There are more, but as you can see, um, the way we approach these bills does tend to be nonpartisan because it is about something that we all care about, which is the improved health of our state. So I'm hoping that we can get those two passed. Yes, great. So um, last question, and then I'll, I'll ask you um, for folks who want to reach out to you and get a little bit more insight on on how to um, to, to connect with you or your team. What is your favorite stereotypical Georgia food? Oh, okay. I so my favorite food, which I didn't like when I was growing up, but I really like now, is grits. Okay. And I'm gonna explain why I didn't like it when I was young. So I grew up in New York, right? So I would have grits sometimes, like you have it, like you go to your friend's house for a sleepover and their mom makes you grits. And I didn't like it because I was like, this is not good. This does not taste or feel good. It's like so grainy, right? But I realized that the reason I didn't like it was because I was not having actual Southern grits, right? Like I was, this is mm -hmm. someone in their home and it was probably instant. So when I moved down to Georgia, I was like, all right, I'm going to give this a try because I'm a good sport. And I'm, so I went to a flying biscuit and we yes. got cheese grits. So first of all, the cheese, okay. Yes. So that's, first of all, that's the key because <laughs> there's cheese in it and a ton of butter, right? And yep. how they make it is so much it, it was like, it's like not even the same food as what I had when I was growing up. So I realized like I actually did not know what grits was yeah, <laughs> until okay. I was down here. So this is a totally different thing and I love it. And it's just like, it's like mashed potatoes. It's just like so comforting and yummy and warm. And I just love it. Anytime I get a chance to order it. How do you dress up your grits? Well, I don't like go too fancy with it. I know people have all sorts of things that they mm -hmm. put in it. How... I tend to order it when they do it with just cheese grits. That's like, that's, that's enough for that's me. Perfect. Cause it's like okay. the butter and the cheese in it. And if it's hot and it's like still like molten lava, as long as it's hot enough and <laughs> I'm, I'm into it and you can use your biscuit to like dip in it. And it's really like a Thanksgiving food almost. Right. Cause it's like, just mush it with the stuff. And just mush it with everything that's on your plate. Right. right. Just mush it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Al, thank you so much for your time today. When If any of our viewers um, want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about um, your work, not only with the AAPI caucus, but your work specifically with um, gun, um, gun control or um, uh, health care, how, how do they reach you or your team? 
So there's a number of different ways. My official uh, account is Michelle Au, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot A-U at house.ga.gov. So that's my like official government email. I think the best way really to keep on top of what I'm doing, however, is to obviously follow my social media because we do have quite an active social media feed and we try to bring people into the process because it's actually kind of fun if you play along with the home version of the game. So every time we drop a bill, we have a pretty good explainer, like a thread of what the bill is, what it does, what problems it aims to solve. Uh, we end up creating a hashtag so you can follow the bill as it goes along in the process because it's, it's just like Schoolhouse Rock, right? It's like, yep. it's in committee, it's being second read. Okay, we have our hearing. And it's just more, it's more fun that way, right? Because you feel like an active, uh, you're actively engaged in the process, you see where it's going, and you you understand the long and sometimes arduous task of, of trying to get legislation passed. Um, so that's that's something I encourage. You can also go to my website, which is alforga, A-U-F-O-R-G-A.com, and sign up for my newsletter, which during session, we send out a weekly newsletter with all the latest updates of what we've been doing with really good links and like citations and stuff to literature and like data and stuff, because I, I try to approach the newsletter almost like it, it is a, a public service. I see it as, you know, like we're providing value for people who want to know what's going on, but with with data, right? Like, so you don't have to go look it up yourself, like we're giving it to you. So I would encourage people to sign up for that newsletter. And um, we're like about a fourth of the way through session. Actually, I think we're exactly a fourth of the way through. So um, this is a good time to jump in because things are going to start moving quickly. That's right. We're gonna start doing a lot more stuff. It's going to be very exciting, I think. Well, we're certainly lucky to have you in the legislature. Um, you are doing such amazing work. And um, to have you, the House is very special to me. So to have you on the House side means uh, so much. Um, and um, thank you for, for offering yourself to service. I don't know how many folks have told you thank you, but I'm going to tell you thank you, understanding the sacrifice that that means for not only you, but your family. And I wish you the best of luck this session. Of course, you'll be seeing Progress Georgia and, of course, a, a number of our partners that will be at the Capitol. But um, thank you for your time today, Dr. Al, um, and all of the work that you're doing on behalf of Georgians. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for giving us time to talk about all these important issues yeah. that we really love to talk about. All right. Take care. Thanks. <laughs>